is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, doctors, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists, where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door, where truth drops like an atom bomb and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Healthcare Wrap. Today's another really, really, really fun time. We're going to chat about voice search, which is something that is just kind of consuming our lives and in a, in a good way, I feel like, and I think our guests today will agree. I've got on the program today, Carrie Lichen, who's the head of industry for healthcare at Yext. Carrie really is beyond that. I mean, I don't want to undersell her. Uh, she's really a leading expert on how patients use voice search in their patient journey, just all, all over the map, all over the country. She talks to healthcare stakeholders and, and hospitals all year long, all the time, and really has just the an overwhelmingly accurate sense of, of what's going on out there, what people are asking about. And so I want to welcome her to the program. Carrie, how are you doing today? I am so good. Thanks for having me, Jared. This is going to be a fun time today. Yeah, I didn't want to undersell that. So, you know, just trying to be just factual and accurate there. But, you know, tell us a little bit more about, you know, how are you doing, where you're at, how you got there, and, and we'll get going on, uh, on talking about voice search. Yeah, happy to. So I am the head of industry for healthcare at Yext. I've been here for a little over two and a half years, and my role covers everything that touches healthcare at Yext. So everything from product marketing, from partnerships, from publisher relationships, from growing sales, from thinking about where are we going next as a company as it relates to healthcare. And prior to that, I spent eight and a half years at Google out of the Google Boston office. And there I started when the Google Boston office was only 20 people. And we brought out the healthcare team from Mountain View over to Boston. And I helped to grow that team and specifically the hospital team. And one of the big challenges that I encountered when I was at Google Google was my hospital customers calling on a regular basis and wanting nothing to do with what we would talk to them about until we could help them solve a very critical problem. And that was getting their information fixed on Google Maps. So they would beg and plead and they wanted so desperately to talk to a member of the Google Maps team because the CEO of Mayo Clinic's cell phone was the main number of Mayo when you would search for it. Or somebody would be searching for the local ER and show up at a Denny's parking lot. Or there would be general surgery phone numbers that were main numbers for a hospital and the general surgery department could not handle the volume of calls they were getting. So whenever I found out that there was a company that could accurately and efficiently accommodate this because Google couldn't, I said, maybe there's an opportunity to do something. So I moved over from Google 
to Yext. And you're right, I am talking to many different health systems all across the country, even internationally as well. And I've been to over 300 health systems in the last two and a half years or so and have probably heard the same story over and over and over again. So it is nice to be able to hear everything, but also nice to see some commonalities and hopefully make connections for people too, because there are definitely organizations out there who are are really progressive. And then there are others who need to learn a few uh, details. So it's, uh, it's really fun to be talking about it. And especially when we think about voice as well, and uh, what we can do with respect to what is happening in this age of technology and the age of adoption of voice. There's a ton to talk about, like you said, just about everything to do with this, with location services, with data, with voice, and we are going to get into that. I was choosing, I was debating whether or not to really even bring up kind of where where you and I met in person for the first time, because it's a little embarrassing on, on my end, just <laughs> the location. So it was a bit of an innocuous story. Okay, I'll tell it. Uh, but, it, you Stop know, it. It, it was, it was just been last summer and, and uh, we were meeting at uh, at the hospital and you would think, you know, it was a 400 plus bed hospital, 11 floors uh, in the main tower, Lots of room, you know, dozens of meeting rooms, and apparently somebody will go nameless. I won't mention his name. Uh, really didn't do his due diligence in booking the room in advance for our meeting. So the only room left that day in the entire campus was one I didn't even realize existed. It was like in the in the dungeon, in the basement, in the back end of the food <laughs> services floor, where apparently meetings that were being catered probably shouldn't even be happening because it's probably in the close to uh, sterilized area or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> not clinically sterilized. You know, we, we weren't threatening patient safety at all to be, by being there. I, I'm sure people would... <laughs> the looks we got as we walked down that hallway, walked in that room and people were like, people meet here? It, it, was, it was a little embarrassing on my side. So uh, I've taken some notes in terms of it being a better host for <laughs> from that. So I just got to say, you know, and, and as usual, always a lot to learn for me. So it's always that one time, you know, that you don't book the room that you figure, <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, we always have another room available, but not that time. So anyway, glad that we're meeting under more uh, fortuitous circumstances these days. Me too. It's so funny because that was definitely not the worst that I've been in. So don't feel bad about that at all. I have been in so many different environments within different health systems. And that was actually not that bad at all. <laughs> uh, making me feel a little better. A little bit. So, well, hey, you know, enough about me, right? You know, we, let's dive into voice search a little bit because that's the stuff that uh, voice search really is the topic of our rap battle today. Rap Battle! And Rap Battle, as you listeners know, if you have listened and tuned into the program before, thanks first and foremost. And, it, you know, so if you have, then you, you realize what Rap Battle is. It's the opportunity for us to challenge the way things have been done in the past. It's how we challenge assumptions that we feel like have been holding back healthcare. We've had the opportunity to really dive into a lot of interesting topics. And this is one of those. What we're challenging today is just the thought of, of whether or not voice search and really everything around it and all the implications and the environment and ecosystem about voice, whether it's a passing trend or not. And I know you have a pretty strong feeling on that subject, Carrie. So let's let's start from there. You know, so is, is voice search a, a, just a, a passing fad or not? I am going to say an emphatic no. It is not a passing fad. 
I have seen numbers just with respect to adoption of voice as compared to adoption of the television, the tablet, and the mobile device. And the way that you see the graph and the adoption of voice technology, it is unbelievable as compared to those other devices. It is so easy to use your voice to have a conversation, to search using your voice. It is a lot harder to use your thumbs, to use a keyboard. And especially for an older population, we're starting to see with voice most especially an adoption that's a lot faster even than others. So I believe that this is not a fad. I believe that this is really something that individuals, companies, businesses, health systems need to start to get their head around because this is the wave of the future. So you mentioned adoption. Has that changed? Are you seeing that in the last, like what, what time frame is that? Is that like the last year, the last couple of years, the last few months? This has been the last, I would say last two years or so. And I've also seen some other data that there's some really interesting statistics around And I can't remember the exact numbers, but let's just use the number for 50 billion or maybe 50 million. Let's say 50 million. I have the numbers somewhere, but it has all of these different technologies, starting with the plane and how many, how many years did it take to get 50 million users starting with the airplane? And as we look at the different technologies from the advent of the airplane all the way now through just mobile devices and voice devices, When we think about just how quickly things are moving and how it doesn't take that much to get 50 million users anymore, it took so many years to get 50 million users of an airplane. In just two and a half days, it took this game, Pokemon, it took Pokemon two and a half days to achieve 50 million users. So there's a lot of technology there. And what we're seeing in voice is that it took so little time to gain that many users. And we even see it with Amazon data too. Just how many different devices now are proliferating in homes. And in the last Google I.O. announcement from last year, how they're trying to train different devices to be more useful, not just on your phone, but Google Home to be more useful to become an agent. And then at CES this past, what was it, January when Google announced that there will be a Google Assistant on 1 billion devices. And that doesn't necessarily mean just your phone or your Google Home. It means your microwave. It means your thermostat. It means your refrigerator. It means your washing machine. It means all of these different things. So when we just think about how many different devices have now voice-activated systems and how many people are getting used to using it, that adoption is super quick super quick as compared to other technologies. So where does that fit in the patient journey and and what do we do about it as even like a first step? Excellent, excellent question. I talk about the patient journey and I've been talking about this for so many years, over, I would say over 12 years now, I've been talking about this patient journey and the patient journey is all about intent. And when I think about the intent, the, the journey changes quite a bit. And I used to talk about the journey with respect to patient needs something. Patient then goes to Google, starts the search at a Google search bar, and then tries to figure out from there through the blue links, what can I find out about whatever that intent is? I intend to find more information. I intend to book an appointment. I intend to look for a doctor. I intend to do a lot of different things. 
But it all started with search and then it would be fanned out and then it would come back to search and hone it in, hone it in, hone it in. It was very much a desktop based search. But what's really interesting now is that was 12 years ago. And I remember talking to health systems about this and health systems would say, oh, well, digital is not really a consideration. And I kept thinking to myself, but it is a consideration and it's something to pay attention to. Now, if we think about 10 plus years later, not only is the patient having this digital journey and using a computer and using a tablet and using a mobile device, but now they're using voice-activated devices as well, whether it's Siri or Alexa or Google Home. So over 68% of people are now doing or performing healthcare searches on mobile devices. So when I think about healthcare searches just in general, I think about mobile first. But now what we're starting to see with our data and surveys that we've run at Yext, we're now starting to see that healthcare is a... It's, it's a query. It's a search that is being... It's taking place on voice. And so we recently launched a survey and got some data back. And a little over 10% of people are searching on some sort of voice-based system for healthcare specifically. And we're also seeing some strong indicators of what patients would like to do using voice devices. They would like to book an appointment using a voice activated or a voice assistant or a voice device. They would like to understand where is the ER or where is the urgent care. They would like to know where they could fill their prescription. It's all very quick types of questions. They're maybe not necessarily doing a lot of research on what exactly is cancer or what does mitral valve repair mean, but they are doing searches on things that they need in the moment, which is very much an expectation of what a voice device can do for the general public, not a patient, but a general public today. I'm a healthcare marketing leader. You see, I've got so many systems going on, you think I won the lottery. But our materials come from so many sources. When we try to innovate, it only forces me to shake my head. Instead, it's what I dread. It's like I said, I'm always fixing legal and brand and AP, y'all. Come on, can I consolidate? Is there a partner for me? Express Docs takes a load off your shoulders by creating a hub for all your marketing materials that's easy for your clinic managers, service line admins, and others to use. Just imagine a single workflow where all your direct mail postcards, rack cards, posters, business cards, flyers, brochures, patient handbooks, promotional products, and apparel are all in one spot. Well, that's Express Docs. Order today and have it tomorrow for most items. Visit bit.ly slash healthcare wrap three. That's bit.ly slash healthcare wrap and the number three today. Download a case study or request a demo to learn more and receive a free healthcare wrap stainless steel tumbler. That's right. Go to bit.ly slash healthcare wrap three for more about Express Docs. Tell your whole crew. So I think the implications really are pretty clear for health systems that to be involved and to stay on top of just the, the changing way that we as patients really in- interact with them, there's got to be some tender loving care put towards the, in our strategy. You know, I'm curious, which team at a health system are you typically speaking with? Is it, is it the marketing team? Is it customer service or a patient experience team, like a clinical team? I'm curious who, who tends to be the ones asking about voice in the first place. That's a really interesting question because we've talked to a number of different teams. I would say when we're thinking about just the external, the external discoverability of just being able to answer a question, 
about a provider or about a system or about anything related to the health system, it tends to be marketing who can answer that question. So if a patient is asking a question about a doctor or the patient is asking a question about whether he or she can book an appointment with a doctor or just wanting to find the right doctor, that tends to be information that can be driven by marketing. So the patient would be asking and marketing would likely be giving that information. But we do talk to marketing teams about this. But what I have seen lately in the last couple of months is that other organizations within a health system are also thinking about their voice strategy too. So there are some organizations where they have completely separate... So it's not part of the marketing team. It's not part of IT. It's not part of the information world at all. It's a completely separate entity within the system where they're just trying to figure out how to innovate with technology. And it's not the innovation group either. It's just a separate innovation arm that's just related to patient internal patient innovation. So when I talk to uh, heads of innovation, it's a lot of how do we go out and how do we find other organizations and bring those organizations in or how do we invest in different, uh, different organizations so that we can better the patient experience. These that we talk to specifically with respect to the patient, it's a lot about what's going on within the, the patient's room, what's going on in understanding how can we incorporate voice into that patient experience when the patient is actually at the hospital. So I'm seeing that. So we talked to those groups. We talked to marketing, like I said before. And then there are other parts of the organization that I see from the C-suite where the CEO will say, we know this is a big initiative. We know we need to be doing something about it. Go figure it out. And they'll just tap a number of heads and those heads will have to bring a committee together. And then they have big discussions around voice. And then they tend to say, well, now we need to develop a skill. And when we develop that skill on Amazon Alexa, check the box. We have now figured out our voice strategy. We've satisfied the CEO's inquiry on what are we doing with voice and we move on. And I would say that's probably where a lot of these systems live now. And we help to counsel these different organizations on the correct strategy to take because just because you built a skill, because the CEO said you had to have a voice strategy doesn't necessarily mean that that is the best way to utilize and to take advantage of the growth in adoption of voice devices. What about other types of organizations like a, you know, like a pharmacy chain, you know, just a, you know, a retail site that... Uh, that is involved in healthcare, are they trying to uh, answer those same types of questions? Do, do they have the same need for a voice strategy, I guess? I think every organization has a need for a voice strategy and it's very unique to the organization and to the different patient groups or consumer groups within. So I think about Amazon, JP Morgan, and Berkshire. I think about that joint venture that they created and announced last year. And when I think about that, I think specifically about what is it that they are probably doing? And then what is the feature most especially relevant with respect to Amazon? And Amazon is leaning very, 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 very heavily into voice. And so if there is some sort of joint venture that is taking place that we really don't know a ton about, but we do know that one of the things that Amazon is leaning toward, for example, is voice. 
what is it that they're doing? And what kind of information do these three companies, when they come together, what kind of information are they pulling together? And what are the different patient segments or consumer segments or employee segments? What do they all have that they can craft together? And then what I think Amazon might be doing is saying, now, how do I layer on top of that some sort of voice strategy with respect to that? I also think about it with CVS. I think about it with Walgreens. I think about it in lots of different ways. But at the end of the day, I don't think about skills. So for any of these different organizations, I'm not necessarily seeing them create skills that are really usable. What I'm seeing them doing is just trying to figure out how do we effectively get the right information when somebody's asking a question. And so when I think again about Amazon, Amazon is collecting so much data about what is being asked and what is being talked about to its Alexa devices. Google's doing the same thing. But just from the Amazon perspective, if you think about every single question that is being asked and every single question that is being recorded, they now have a huge database of queries. And in that huge database of queries, can you imagine all that big data and how they can parse that out and start to think through, all right, great, what do we do with all of this? And how do we create things that are going to be far more useful for this tiny little sub-sub-sub-segment of people who have asked these questions that are specific to this? And then another sub-sub-sub-sub-segment, people who are asking questions related to something else. So they've collected all of this data and now they can use it. So I think, especially in these different ways, not health system related, but these different organizations who touch healthcare, it's going to be something that they are paying attention to, that they will need to continue to pay attention to, and they probably are even more sophisticated at how they're able to take the data and pay attention to it. Really, really good way of looking at it. Is there anything else you would recommend in terms of getting started with your voice strategy? We've talked about some of the things that aren't necessarily the strategy in and of itself, like developing a skill, for instance, which I have a funny story about that. But, but <laughs> as usual, I, I should just share it later. So what about that? You know, what, what's, uh, you know, one or two tips for getting started with your voice strategy? For health systems, I like to use an acronym and it is F-O-N-D. Fond. And the way I help health systems understand this is to just say, I am fond of our voice strategy. And so what does fond mean? Fond means first organic, next direct. So organic means just full-on discoverability. When people are asking questions of an Alexa or of a Google Home or of Siri or wherever else they're asking questions, They're literally just asking questions. It's all about organic discovery. They have an intent. They want to match an intent to an answer. They want to get that answer and they're asking a question about it. There's nothing related to it with respect to activating a skill, even knowing that a skill or an action exists, but it's just being able to find the right information. So first, you have to focus on your organic strategy. And when you focus on the organic strategy, it means that you have to, behind the scenes, make sure that all of the data that you have that somebody could be asking questions about, all of that is structured. And it's hard to structure all of that data. That data can come from a lot of different places from within a health system. It can come from credentialing and from your CMS and from lots of Excel spreadsheets, whatever that might be. And when it's pulled together and then structured and then sent to these different voice places, then you can truly answer those questions that people are, are organically asking. 
the next direct component of my second step or my second recommendation is direct means basically a patient or a consumer is directly activating a skill. So first, they're organically trying to figure out answers, but then they're taking it to the next level and they need to activate a skill directly to get something else taken care of. And so what I recommend for systems is instead of trying to boil the ocean and creating a skill that nobody's necessarily going to activate because they're just going to organic ask the question, organically ask the question anyway, think about the niche of all niche places where you could help solve a problem. So I think about this with respect to orthopedic surgery. If a patient comes in and needs to have, let's say, arthroscopic knee repair or maybe even a knee replacement, and you know as the physician or the surgeon, you know you're going to go and do that knee replacement. And then you're going to recommend after that physical therapy. What can the system do, or even the orthopedic department, what can that department do to create a skill that is just for people who received a knee replacement and need to do some sort of repetitive activity as part of their physical therapy post-op? So create a skill that is just for people who are post-op for knee, re- knee replacement surgery so that they know they every day have to activate a skill on Amazon or a Google Action And they know that they need to do their exercises and Amazon will count or Alexa will count with you and tell you what to do. And then we'll maybe even log and record it each time. So that is where I say next direct. Think of the most niche of all niche ways that you can create a skill. Do that, measure it, and then do it again. So you at least get to the point where you understand how to create a skill and then how people are utilizing the skill and then you create it so that it's an actually useful skill as opposed to a skill that is never downloaded or activated. So just remember, I am fond of our voice strategy, first organic, next direct. And I would say those are my two recommendations. I love it. Holy cow. Now I can remember that as well. And <laughs> that's that's the way to, to just kind of sift through all the hype out there because that, that really cuts down to what, what's the value here and, and uh, gives us a way to not be intimidated by it because that, that's why I feel like it, it's not intimidating anymore. And I appreciate you kind of putting it in that perspective and that framework. It, it makes it, it gives it a lot different perspective in a good way. So awesome. I, I just feel like there's, there's so much here and it's, it's great to dive into it and think about, you know, what's the benefit of it, especially with something like voice that is so penetrating our, our daily lives, our personal lives. And this was the, the one thing I was going to mention when you talked about developing skills that really aren't useful. The, the one skill I've tried to do myself, just you know, quick sidebar, was when we had some guests coming for the holidays, staying with us. And I thought it'd be really fun. Well, here it is. I mean, just thought it'd be funny, you know, to have some <laughs> like waiting for them and say, because there's, there's a, like a guest welcoming skill template that's out there. That's a blueprint. That's like, Hey, all you got to do is fill in the blanks, basically. You know, apparently it's not that easy because, you know, I, I messed that up too. And so it, thankfully it didn't work at all when the guests came. I wish there was a better punchline on that part of it, but it, like it didn't work at all. So I was like, because uh, it, it was going to be like some, just some dad jokes. That's all it was going to be. There were ones that like my family would get. And I was like, hey, play the, it was like the, you know, the Johnson joke. I don't even remember what I called it. And it was like, yeah, we, you know, Echo was like, because we have to call it Echo because I actually have a daughter named Alexa. <laughs> I like to say we were just ahead of the curve. But I was like, yeah, hey, Echo, you know, play this. And, and it was like, yeah, we can't find that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like it says right here. Like I'm looking at the screen that says that 
it was ready and published and, and Echo was telling me differently. So I'm like, all right, I got some work to do. So, you know, better, better late than never. So that falls under the develop the skill, test it and do it again. Yes. That's where I'm at. So I'm with you. That's the brilliance of it. I think what, one thing that I've learned over the course of my career, and I learned it especially when I was at Google, and I love this phrase. And the phrase that I learned there was launch and iterate. So what you're doing is you're just testing it out. You're saying, I'm just going for it. And look at what you've learned. Or look at what you're able to at least evaluate. So if you wanted to do it again, you now have that foundation or baseline. And so then you can build off of that. And I think that's at least for healthcare, I think that's really critical. A lot of times in healthcare organizations either jump all in, which is amazing to see because they can launch and iterate and they're the more nimble ones. But most of healthcare, Jared, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I sense this because I see it so often. We'll just, they'll just wait for perfection. And I think when it comes to voice, you cannot wait. You have to get your data structured. You have to make sure that you can help answer questions that patients are asking. Then you also have to figure out what is your, your skill or your action strategy. So just launch something. Try it. Even if you try to boil the ocean, now you know how to build a skill. Maybe people won't utilize the skill, but you did it. Don't abandon it, but build off of it. Iterate off of it. Maybe pare it down to the niche of all niches. But it's really important to do exactly what you did. Like You tried it and... It didn't work. And now you can try it again because you're not afraid of it. That's brilliant. That's true. I'm not afraid of it. And I feel sorry for our next house guests because uh, if I get it up and run it before then, they're going to have the displeasure of uh, suffering through some bad jokes. <laughs> They'll love it. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. One, one way or the other, it, it, I will learn from it. So there we go. I love talking voice. I, I wondered, you know, while I've got you here, if you had any tips in particular for younger professionals, just about career advancement in general, just about... Uh, really about their careers or work-life balance or just anything that they think would be useful that's maybe not so much you know a, a technical skill or, or something for them to to learn but uh, something in life that that's really kind of the human part of what we're doing that you'd like to share oh that's such a good question I think about this all the time and I I don't feel like I'm that old but I'm kind of old now <laughs> so I feel like maybe there's some wisdom there I would say one thing that I hear younger professionals, say to me, and I think that this is such a shame, they'll say, I don't have a voice or I don't deserve to be in that meeting. And I think, especially in healthcare, I think that the younger voice is a really important voice to pay attention to. And because that is where the future of the patient is as well. And so I think from that perspective, if somebody is involved either in a meeting or has an idea, that needs to be expressed somehow. So raise your hand. I would say raise your hand. I think the other piece of it is don't be afraid to go to the top. I think a lot of younger people feel like their idea isn't yet valid because they don't have enough experience. But I think that especially the leadership of health systems, they deserve to hear what the experience is from the younger person's perspective. And I think that if the younger person could stand up and reach out, like reach out, send a note to the CEO, to the CMO, to the CIO, develop some sort of relationship there, get your ideas out there and don't be afraid. Basically launch and iterate, right? They don't respond, then try again. But get that idea out there, get those ideas out there and don't be afraid of it. I really think that that's important because that perspective is often missing. 
And I think for a younger professional, I think that's really important to a understand that they have a perspective that is that should be valued and that they they can have value in sharing, but then also give the opportunity to do a little bit of that skip level exposure as well. I love that thought. Thanks for sharing that. I just think the the more of that we can start just thinking about and kind of sharing that perspective, that's just going to help everyone in our field. And, and uh, that, that's great. With that, we're actually going to move into our, our shout out segment of the program. Shout out. The shout out is just where we recognize a person, a place, a thing. It could be just a, something silly. It could be something in the news. And I, I can do one first here. And then if, uh, if you've got one to share, Carrie, uh, we'll give you a chance to do that as well. The one I was going to bring up was actually, I haven't done a, like a news story or news item in a while, but one came up that was very interesting to me this last week. So uh, this is when uh, Spotify announced that they were purchasing oh, yes. Gimlet Media and Anchor. So a couple of original podcast network programs worth a combined couple hundred million dollars. And the part of that was that they're boning up on their original programming, but like that's not where they're going to stop. They actually have plans to spend four to five hundred million dollars in podcast acquisitions in 2019, and that was fascinating from a couple of different perspectives. Obviously, just you know, being a podcaster, that's interesting. But they really framed it in, in terms of their own mission of wanting to become the Netflix of audio by accelerating, by creating more original content, and. That to me, like any acquisition in the media world, I pay attention to whether it's something I'm doing or not. It's interesting because that means that's how consumers are consuming information one way or the other. And so I think there's going to be a lot of implications. I don't think, well, it doesn't sound like this is going to be the last one, even just for Spotify, but I can see other large media companies that, you know, I hadn't thought of Spotify as a podcasting or original content service up until now. It's kind of changing my whole thought of of what they're for and what their service is. So I don't think this will be the last one. It's something to keep our eye on. And I just thought it was really interesting that way. So a shout out to Spotify for for changing the game on us in a good way, I think. So my shout out would be to Away Luggage. And for those of you who may not know what Away Luggage is, it's really durable. I would say probably millennial luggage. I'm not a millennial, but it's for millennials probably. It is really durable luggage, but the best part about it is that not only does it fit so much more stuff, and I'm a big traveler, I'm on the road all the time, but it has a power a little power, like a battery charger in the luggage itself. And it's rechargeable. And when I find myself at airports, and especially those smaller ones that don't have plugs at every seat, this piece of luggage has saved the day on so many occasions. So I'm doing a shout out to Away Luggage because I so am grateful for my piece of luggage and for the extra juice boost that I get whenever I'm on the road. Life hacks right here on the program. That's fabulous. So <laughs> yeah. How could we get through life without this kind of stuff? So right on. Well, Carrie, I've, I've greatly enjoyed speaking with you today. I know there's a lot more to talk about. There's going to be listeners who want to connect with you. How? Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? I think the best way would be to find me on LinkedIn. So it's Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E and Lycan, L-I-K-E-N, on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, as usual, listeners, if you've enjoyed this, what we've been talking about today, definitely uh, 
hit that subscribe button. Find a way that we are available anywhere out there that you listen to podcasts. You can hit up you can hit us up on Twitter at Healthcare Wrap. You can hit us up at healthcarewrap.com for archived episodes. And as usual, let us know what you want to hear, who you want to hear it from, and we'll do our best to accommodate that. As you can tell, we have uh, amazing guests on this program. We just love to connect with you. Feel free to reach out at any time. Let us know what you think. And on behalf of Carrie and myself, thanks again for tuning in today. And that's a wrap. Thank you.